0: You are listening to More to the Story, a weekly podcast featuring Pastor Drew Tarwater and Pastor Darren Enns of Forefront Church in Denver, Colorado. Each week, More to the Story podcast will follow the Forefront Church Sunday Sermon as Pastor Drew and Pastor Darren guide you through the Bible from Genesis through Revelation. Every podcast will feature in-depth analysis of the sermon and answer questions about the Bible. Now... Here is more to the story.
1: Welcome to the Forefront Church Podcast. It has been a while. Thank you for listening. Welcome back. We're back. Pastor Darren Enns, how are you doing, sir?
2: I'm doing good. Feeling a bit free.
1: Newly graduate Pastor Darren Enns. Uh, oh, yeah, I haven't walked Pastor- across
2: the stage yet, but it, it's close. It's imminent.
1: You've paid for it. You've done the work. It's Now it's just the ceremony <laughs> part, right?
2: That's true. The
1: formality. So, Pastor Drew Tarwater, how are you doing?
3: I'm great. I've missed you guys. We took a few weeks off so Darren could focus on his studies and graduate.
2: Well, we also had like a church...
3: Major joining together, happened, joining so. together. And yeah, just all kind of, I, I got a, I got a things. question
1: about the graduate. So what did you, what was the degree you've earned, Darren?
2: It's called a master of divinity, okay. which Drew has the same degree, by the way. Okay. <laughs> From a different so, place.
1: So like, but he's been now a pastor for a number of years. You're like a new pastor. You're like a puppy pastor. So did you like you, do you guys have like <laughs> Belts, like in karate, like are you now like a brown belt, and like is where's is Drew closer to his black belt, like I like are you like a yellow belt, like what's the is it like a belt system?
3: Yeah, yeah. So he's like a he's like a purple belt, and I'm like, it's what's, hard the, one? To this what's the one What's the one? <laughs> <laughs> Darren doesn't. um What's the? Term? He's a green belt. He,
1: he's a rookie. He's I have. I,
2: I don't. All I know is black belt is is a good one. I don't know.
1: okay so how about this then we'll go like is like so Darren like are you coming out of the minor leagues now are you getting up to the show is that what this is now you know if we start
2: delineating ranks of pastors I think we're in trouble (laughs) Drew's in charge I submit to him and he submits to God and we're good
3: that's
1: fair yeah yeah that's a good that's a good answer that is a really good answer you learned a lot in school
3: Yay. Basically, that was the only thing he learned. I to give a good answer.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. So this is, I'm just joking. You get, we, we've, been, we've been digging into Acts. We're just starting into Acts, and this is where the ascension of Jesus, where Jesus, you know, then after the cross and the resurrection, Drew, can you give me a little bit of a timeline of like what's happened? How long has this been since this, this has all taken place, and where Jesus is up in the clouds waving goodbye?
3: Has it been 40 days since our last podcast? Because that would be apropos.
2: That would be. If it would be. So after Jesus
3: rises from the grave and appears to his disciples for the next 40 days, so next, you know, a little over a month, month and a week, um, and some change.
2: February 28 is when we last recorded our podcast.
3: Wow. Okay. Maybe? No, can't be. Anyways, No. so we... April. So Jesus is hanging out with his disciples, but he's not with them the whole time. So for 40 days, he you know, shows up, spends some time with his disciples, eats some fish with them, restores Peter, uh, walks to Emmaus the day he rises from the grave with a couple of disciples and starts to have these interactions with his disciples, which is really, um, we we get a sneak peek at this, but we don't have all of the details of what happened, but we know for, you know, for 40 days he's doing this. And then we get to the book of Acts, beginning of Acts chapter one, we see Jesus hanging out with his disciples. And the, the disciples, they are finally get the courage to ask the question, Jesus, when are we going to go storm the castle and take over Israel? And that's when Jesus begins to give them this picture of this mission they're on. It's bigger and better that actually they're not just going to go to Jerusalem. They're not just going to go to Samaria and Judea, but they're going to go to the ends of the earth with this new kingdom that Jesus has brought. And, and then, um, he, he does this crazy thing after he gives them their mission and tells them that they're basically going to be witnesses and messengers for him. He ascends into heaven and leaves them. And they're kind of left looking at each other like, whoa, what just happened? Where did he go? And it sparks what we see throughout the book of the, of the book of acts as the start of the church and the start of the movement where God and Jesus begins to move through the disciples to raise up new leaders and spark the church, which would expand throughout Asia minor and into Europe and into Asia and to see what we have today as the church of Jesus.
1: No, that's interesting to think with the timeline there. And so then why did Jesus have to ascend anyway? Why couldn't he just stay?
2: Yeah. There's this idea that, that Jesus or that Jesus needed to go in order for the Holy spirit to come to his believers and to truly like, have the presence of God within us and among us as the church, it's really important that that would happen. Um, Cause I think even in this story, we see the disciples kind of like they're relying on Jesus instead of taking it upon themselves to go and, and do his mission, mission, which he'd been trying to train them to do forever. But um, so I, I think that's one important thing, but another thing, I think this has something to do with Daniel chapter seven. It's a really important passage as we understand what Jesus is doing or, or will do again uh, in Daniel chapter 7 we see that that the Son of Man it like here he rides clouds like into the throne room of God and there he is given power to be a judge over the earth he's essentially given rule and reign as a rightful king to rule along with God who is called the Ancient of Days in that passage and here we see Jesus go up into the clouds the idea isn't that heaven is up there somewhere in the sky that's not the idea. Rather, the idea is that heaven and earth are supposed to mix together, and places where God is are are places where the veil is thinner, where the, the kingdom of heaven is more realized.
3: Yeah, I think it's a really cool picture that Jesus you know, another fulfillment, right, of, of prophecy and, and God's promises. And, you know, Jesus does a lot of things in in symbolic nature to demonstrate who he is. So it's another way to demonstrate to the disciples, I am he, I am the the one that was supposed to come and make all things right. I think there's also another really cool element to the ascension that shows us that Jesus completed his mission here on earth, that his mission was to come be born of a virgin. So God in the flesh to show us what, life really looks like to how do we really re-engage to be a true human and live the way God wants us to live. And then he went to the cross for us, died for our sins and rose from the grave. And so it was a, um, you know, slam dunk. Jesus did everything he came to do. And then him ascending was him saying, my work is done. And so now the Holy Spirit is going to come and he's going to be the counselor and the encourager and the one who reminds you of the things that I said. So by me leaving, as Darren said, it, it invites the Holy Spirit now to come. Uh, but it also, I think, was a you know, an exclamation point that Jesus did accomplish what he came to do to provide salvation and redemption to humanity.
1: There's a kind of a thought where it's, you know, the different parts of God and the Trinity have different roles and responsibilities, And we're, you know, we're supposed to be led by the Holy Spirit. And so that's just kind of where I was thinking out loud about that Where You can probably help finish my thought better than I can.
2: Yeah. Jesus himself was led by the Holy Spirit while he was here on this earth. I think that's something that we we sometimes miss um, or, or even we could debate a little bit. Like, did Jesus do that in his own power or did he do it with the Holy Spirit? Well, we're starting to get into delineating the Trinity a bit too much, but Jesus did live with the Spirit, and once he got baptized, that's when that's the be- the beginning of his ministry. So there's something unique. Jesus himself, as the Son of God, was was he he came down and he started his ministry after he was filled with the Spirit, um, and then here it, shortly in Acts two, we're going to see the same thing happen to his disciples, and that's when all of a sudden just heaven breaks loose.
3: And I think and Jesus needed. Oh, sorry, Rob. I think Jesus needed to to, to ascend to heaven also so that people would trust in him for strength, power, you know, boldness, confidence, all these things, but yet not expect him just to do it all. I mean, think about, remember when Jesus feeds the the 5,000 and then they follow him to the other side of the lake and they're like, Jesus, give us, you know, give us this food every single day so we can live. And Jesus says, I am the bread of life. And I think there's this reality that people, if Jesus stayed with the, his disciples, it would always be like, well, hey, Jesus, what are we doing next? And, and, and hey, Jesus, why don't you heal this guy? And hey, Jesus, why don't you feed this hungry person? And by Jesus going, hey, guys, I accomplished all I came to accomplish. Now I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit so that you see it's now time for you and the church to go and be my witnesses. And yes, I'm with you everywhere you go, right? The Great Commission, Matthew 28, and I will be with you everywhere I go, you go. But I'm not going to be holding your hand the whole time. I'm gonna I'm gonna entrust the Holy Spirit to give you and lead you to take the message to the world. So I think there is an important element there too that Jesus he took the training wheels off for the disciples to use a crude analogy and and lets them go and take the message around the globe.
1: No, and that that makes some sense there. And so, what did it look like then? As the and describes in acts like with Pentecost when, you know, the Holy Spirit comes uh, to the followers of Christ. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, maybe I've heard this story maybe in children's church too many times and maybe it misheard it, <laughs> but it it didn't just come to the disciples, the 12, didn't it come to like all the followers that were there in the room which could have right. been hundreds?
2: Yeah, were there 120? Is that the number that yeah. uh, I can't remember exactly. I think it was 120. It yeah, but there yeah, there it wasn't just the 12, but there was a larger group. So, but yeah, the, so the day of Pentecost comes, and, and I like what Mitch said. This is kind of, a, kind of a reversal of what happened at the Tower of Babel. So God came down and dispersed people oh. into languages, and then this kind of brings it back. Um, but still, th- these people aren't going to stay here in one place. They're going to go out and, and bring the gospel to the world. But we read that there in, ver- in Acts 2, verse 2, "...suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting." They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. This language that Luke is writing, um, Luke wrote both Luke and Acts, if you didn't know that. And um, this language is directly related to when God came and filled the tabernacle and the temple back in the Old Testament. That's specific language he's using to mirror what happens to these people. Is the same thing that happened to the the tabernacle and the temple, and so the presence of God comes, the Spirit of God comes, and and all of a sudden indwells each of these people. Um, there's tongues of fire above them. Often, when someone is filled with the Holy Spirit, they will feel heat. There, and I've I felt this myself. There's like this weird heat that almost presses down upon you. It, that that was my experience, um, and so that's that's why it's described here with with fire. Um there's lots of other things that happen of course but that that was the these disciples experience on that day.
3: And what's interesting is so the the group around them starts hearing all these guys speaking, right? Mm-hmm. And they start speaking in these tongues and the people around them go, "Man, these guys are drunk." What's <laughs> funny is and and so, you know, Peter basically stands up and says, "Hey guys, look, we um we, you know, we are not drunk. And he says, you know, because it's only the third hour in the day. Now, let me tell you, this is kind of fun. So it's 9 a.m. <laughs> in the morning, right? And they're like, these guys are all drunk. Well, in those days, wine was so much less potent than it is today. Guys would drink all night long. And so the idea would be like, you know, in the morning, these guys who had been drinking wine all night would be pretty, pretty drunk at that point and be mumbling and, and whatever. But Peter's saying, no, no, no guys we are not we have not been drinking all night instead something special is happening right now god is moving in a special way and what is really cool is that that you have these these tongues now being spoken and everyone around them is hearing peter and the disciples speaking in their own language which brings up this whole debate which would be fun to have a mini debate here on the podcast is Okay, when we talk about tongues, is this picture that we have here in book of, in the book of Acts at Pentecost, is this what we see everywhere else in the book of Acts when it comes to tongues, or are tongues a different language entirely?
1: Ooh, can I try this one first, Darren? Sure, you can try. It. You, can, you can correct me. <laughs> All right. So this is this is what I've heard with my you know non graduate work and you know just
2: YouTube non master level.
1: Not yeah, I'm I'm in my white belt still. And so
3: he's a master YouTuber though. So he he's heard a lot.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, but I don't know what's true. It's on the internet. So I got to trust it, I guess. And uh, (laughs) so, but the idea with like speaking in tongues, obviously the first one is like speaking in a native language, language that's not your own. That'd be like level one or a phase of it, if you want to call it. But then the other one would be is like, what if someone at church started talking in an indistinguishable manner, saying they're speaking in tongues And then there should be then if it's from God, there's someone else there that has this gift of discernment or um, I don't know if discernment or there might be like of understanding what that person is saying. It's not just gibberish. If it's just gibberish, then it's not from God. If it's someone then can go, hey, this is what so-and-so is saying. Here's what the meaning is then because you have to have both there. Am I close there, guys? Am I at least on uh, on the playing field?
2: Yeah, that's what Paul talks about in in 1st Corinthians like 12, 13, 14. Um and so that that's that's all definitely true. I think that what happened here and and I've heard lots of testimonies from other people when they're going to a place uh, whether it's a short-term mission trip or it's a missionary just showing up where you that there's they they share the testimony that they were trying to speak through a translator but all of a sudden the translator just like all of a sudden, their eyes got their, their eyes got super wide, and they just turned and looked, and, and they're like, "No, just keep going. I don't need to translate because you're speaking in our foreign in our language." And the guy's like, "No, I'm speaking in English." It's like, "No, you're not." So it's it's th- this the Holy Spirit is allowing the airwaves to translate into the language cool of the that? listener. Yeah, it's so
3: cool. Yeah, so imagine you've got 120 believers like hanging out. And the Holy Spirit comes on them, right? And we don't know. Do we I think it was the 12 disciples for sure were speaking in, you know, the 11 disciples for mm-hmm. sure. But we yeah, don't know they, about...
2: They had, they had gotten another, quote, apostle. Another apostle at that point. After and, Judas. And, yeah. And yeah.
3: so, you know, we, we don't know if all 12, 120 were speaking or if it was just the 12 um, and some of the ladies maybe. We don't know for sure. But what we do know is there's all these people who are in town for, uh, you know, who had come to Jerusalem from all over the place. Macedonia, Macedonia. Uh, Europe, Asia Minor, Africa, all these places. And they're hearing the gospel in their own language, right? So, as Darren said, you know, we don't, where we're assuming the disciples are speaking their language and then God's converting it, translating it through the power of the Holy Spirit into the ears of the listener. And all of them start taking notice, right? They're like, whoa, what is going on here? And that's when Peter basically says, guys, listen, we're not drunk. Instead, let me tell you about Jesus. And and so I think it brings up this this interesting picture when we talk about speaking in tongues today. Is this what we expect? Like Darren said, in the mission field, and somebody speaking English, but it's coming across as as Spanish or Swahili or whatever it could be. Is this what's customary today, or is there another element to tongues? I have some some pastor friends who serve in more charismatic or pentecostal churches and they'll talk about having a having a private heavenly a private prayer language mm-hmm. where they'll pray to God but it won't be English. It'll come out in a different way and they feel that this is from the Holy Spirit. And, and so there is an interesting discussion here about speaking in tongues in public versus speaking in tongues prayerfully in private. And I haven't had that experience myself, to be honest, Uh, but the people that I have spoke to about this, it's credible. And these guys, truly, that is one of the ways they speak with the Lord in a a prayer language. And so I don't know that what we see here in Acts chapter two is the gold standard for tongues. It could be, uh, there could be other elements to it that really fit into the mysteries of God that we're not a hundred percent sure of.
2: Yeah, and sometimes this prayer language does come out in 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 a public place, such as uh, in a church where someone is, is praying over you and they're, you know, hearing from the Holy Spirit and speaking to you, there'll be a companion sometimes along with them who is a partner in discerning what the Holy Spirit wants to say to this person. And and depending on the experience of this person, they will they will speak in tongues over you, but they'll do it quietly. It, it's not a, a public spectacle, and that's because of some of the things that Paul says in First Corinthians. Like it, it's not like people who come and and are not part of your your body of Christ are going to think you're weird. So don't do that. <laughs> don't don't <laughs> let people come into your church and think you're weird. Like that puts up a barrier to hearing the truth about who Jesus is.
1: No, absolutely. Speaking of who Jesus is, so. Peter then goes into a sermon here and he starts talking you know, and bringing people to Christ. Can you give me some more background on what Peter's doing here and what happened?
2: Yeah, the first thing he says, is he quotes some Old Testament at them. And remember, these are all Jews. These are all Jews who were there for the Feast of Pentecost. And so quoting Old Testament is right up their alley. They know this. And so Peter tells them some things that were prophesied about in the Old Testament. For example, Ezekiel... 39 29 says i will no longer hide my face from them for i will pour out my spirit on the people of israel declares the sovereign lord and that's the first thing he says peter says in the last days god says i will pour out my spirit on all people your sons and daughters will prophesy your young men will see visions your old men will dream dreams he's quoting old testament things like hey this was prophesied and what you are witnessing right now is ordained by God. This is not some weird thing. We're not demon possessed like you thought Jesus was. Um, this thing really is happening. And he starts there in the Old Testament, which is a great model for a sermon, in my opinion. I think we should always <laughs> have a foundation of the Old Testament. Preach it. So, and then he, he goes on and he talks about Jesus. Like, hey, guess what? Like, there's tons of people around who saw Jesus rise from the dead. Like, some of you even were here at. Back at Passover, you remember that he was crucified. Well, guess what? He he rose from the grave, and we we saw him. And then he quotes some more psalms, some things from David, um, and and talks about some more Old Testament about how, how Jesus was the Messiah, and and he wraps it up with like, "Hey, Jesus was our Messiah, and this kind of thing is now going to happen."
3: I think it's also interesting to note that you know Jesus. So so typically the the feast of Pentecost took place 50 days after the one of the offerings that happened during Passover. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it, there's there's no coincidence of the fact that you know god's timing is perfect here right so so jesus hangs around 40 days until it's time to get his disciples ready and so then his disciples mobilize they start praying they're waiting for the holy spirit to come and then on the day at the feast of pentecost where everybody's in town from all these other regions then the holy spirit comes and they start speaking in these tongues in these other languages and so now the message of jesus can spread sure the disciples are going to take it but also Isn't it really cool? Everybody gets to kind of hear for the very first time. They Mm -hmm. get to take it home to their villages. They get to start talking about it. Like, wow, there's this Jesus guy. So now when the disciples come, they're like, whoa, we've heard this before. We heard this in Pentecost. And so God was again, preparing the way. And I think he does that so often in our lives. He plants seeds and prepares the way. And then, and then over time he, he grows that into something beautiful.
1: No, it's interesting to think about there. And then it's like, what, what happens next? Like, you know what happens to the church? How's it What are the next steps? He preaches. You know, what do we see happen next?
2: Yeah, in in verse thirty six of chapter two, uh, Peter ends the sermon by saying, "Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this: God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah." And then the people, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. That's what verse thirty seven says. And they ask Peter, "Okay, what what are we going to do?" So it's like uh, they they got it. The Holy Spirit has convicted them. We understand. So what are we going to do? It's like Peter forgot or he didn't wrap it up the first time. Well, I don't think he took <laughs> preaching
3: labs like we did <laughs> yeah. that tell you that you need to get people the next steps to take. And yeah. so Peter's like, yeah, so uh, yeah. And they're like, well, what do we do? And then I love it. He says, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the Holy Spirit. Now, this is fun because, you know, he, he basically says, repent and be baptized. And so this, this verse itself is brought up quite a bit of discussion amongst the church, especially kind of different different, um, you know, Christian traditions on is Peter saying that you should be baptized, you have to be baptized to be saved. So he says, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of sins, and then you'll receive the Holy Spirit. Only one big topic
1: of podcast, Drew. Only one. We already did speaking in any can You can't can't do baptize and salvation. Are they connected? Can't do it. We've We've already hit our quota. We've got
3: to. Okay, next week. (laughs) Just kidding. Real quick. So is Peter saying that baptism is essential for salvation? We've actually talked about this before, so go back and listen to another podcast. But are these What about being
1: sprinkled or dunked? Like, what about...
3: Yeah, referred back to podcast 63 or whatever number it was.
2: <laughs> well, we're only on 45. This will be 46. I think. So 36. I don't remember. Moving on. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I, just, I, yeah, I, the, I derailed the whole thing. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, we talked about that. In general, no, but you probably should if you can. If yeah. you don't want to be baptized, we want to ask you questions about why. Yeah. But yeah. So, but also notice and. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Well, what does that mean? Because we go on and read in Acts that the Holy Spirit, the filling of the Holy Spirit, the the physical evidence or manifestation, as we call it, of the Holy Spirit is kind of an evidence and and, and another thing that happens um, for for a lot of people. But there's not a formula for it. Some people receive the Holy Spirit before they're baptized, Um, but everybody believes first. They take steps of faith and then either they are baptized with water or they're baptized with the Holy Spirit. So the water, the water of of immersion baptism and the fire of Holy Spirit baptism really is interchangeable. And and I think both are are a good thing for the Christian to seek.
3: I think there's another element, too, that says believe and follow, right? Mm -hmm. We say repent and be baptized. Well, repenting is basically saying my way was wrong. God, your way is right. I'm going to turn and follow your way. So that's belief, right? That's no longer trusting in me, I'm trusting in God, trusting in what Jesus did for me. So that's belief. And then the baptism is is follow. Remember Jesus in the great comm- in the great commission says, "Go therefore into all the nations baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go, go make disciples in, in, in all nations, right? That's the believe, right? People are putting their faith in. That's becoming a disciple. And then baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and teach them all I have, I have commanded you. So there's this picture. I believe, I obey and follow, I get baptized, and then I learn. I'm, I'm learning. You know, I don't have to learn it all first because I can't. It's a lifetime journey. And so there is this, there's no formula exactly like Darren said, but it's just like, I'm going to believe and I'm going to follow. And notice what happens. It says that 3000 people get saved, you know, verse 47, you know, and they're all praising God and they're, you know, they're, they're God's adding to their number day by day. And so there's this really cool thing that happens is 3,000 people get saved that day. They begin to gather to pray. They share their possessions. The church is born in this situation. And now you have this beautiful start to what we see today as the church globally.
2: Yeah, and we're going to have to talk sometime about the origins of the word church. Oh, for sure. Yeah.
3: Ekklesia. Oh, But it, com- it comes
2: from a Greek word, kirka, which means building. Yeah. And a church is not a building; it's the the assembly, the bonus, gathering. Ekklesia. Bonus episode
3: coming, yeah. Okay, Teaser. so here
1: here here's a question. Actually, I was thinking about when you said that, like three thousand people were saved, you know, on that day. It's like, so how many denominations were formed the next day? So,
3: <laughs> I think it just one. Just one. I'm pretty sure it's just one for a while, the, for the, about eight hundred yeah. years, and then also well, because that's then, actually no, a f- question. 1500 li- i fifteen hundred years.
1: Yeah, if you're talking about True. special episodes, well, I'd
2: no, like they to, they did split eastern western yeah. sorry rob we're, yeah, we're, we're it's okay now. you guys you guys are the smart <laughs> ones
1: here i'm just asking questions and so the because that would be a fun i think or at least an interesting future bonus episode is like we have all these denominations and obviously different denominations doesn't mean they don't believe in jesus they just have different beliefs about christianity or about jesus it really comes
2: but, down to the prac the practice how, how do you carry it out correct What's your emphasis?
1: And so I think, it'd be, I think it'd be a fun episode to sort of break down some of the the bigger ones and even some of the smaller ones of denominations. Like, what's the difference between how we see it versus why they see it their way? Because I, I think it's, there's value to be seen of going, because I think there's sometimes we get in our sphere of, this is our church, this is the way it is. And if you don't agree with us exactly, you are you may not believe in G, our, Jesus. And they're mm-hmm. thinking possibly the same thing about us. So like how we can start going, hey, there's actually a lot of similarities, I like using the... The example of ice cream, we all like ice cream. It's like, but they may like, you know, Neapolitan, and we like. But mint, mint ice chip. cream
2: will not be in heaven. It, it Wait, what? Won't. Mint what? ice cream just won't be
1: with Oreo or something. You're or chocolate toothpaste chip in, there? in your ice cream? Come oh, on. hey, that's just a marketing campaign that you' making. Moving you on,
3: use toothpaste.
2: No, <laughs> you you don't have room to respond, Robert. Darren brushes
3: his teeth too much, obviously.
1: <laughs> oh my goodness, I brush it with Oreos. So. So all right, all right, so as we wrap this up, any parting thoughts, newly graduate Pastor Darren Enns.
2: Yeah, I'll throw in here what Mitch preached on. Uh, he started in verse forty-two here in, in chapter two, talking about what kind of church do we want to be. Uh, he he preached on um, on on a really good thing, and he preached on what should happen as we as believers are filled with the Holy Spirit, um, and we we can't forget that. All of these things that, that we see these people do, the 3,000 do after Peter's sermon and after they respond to it, that's the result of hearing the Word of God, of believing in Him, being filled with the Holy Spirit. Then these things start to happen where they're incredibly unified in all they do, that they, they freely give their possessions to help everyone else um, survive and, and be able to eat well. And, and the church is born out of that. It starts with the holy spirit coming in you as a believer as you confess your your faith in and belief in Jesus Christ and what happens then is the result of that and and that's something that that we can't forget
1: interesting as we wrap this up pa- uh, any parting thoughts pastor true tarwater
3: just one. I think churches, denominations, you know, whatever networks people are a part of, um, you, you do find that you know people will look at Acts chapter two and say, "Well, look at all these things we have to do." You know, so we got we got to make sure we get baptized or we got to make sure that we speak in tongues and you can actually see trace down through other denominations that like hey if you say yes to Jesus we're going to go baptize you right this second because if we don't then what happens if you know you pass away between we can get you to the water or other denominations and networks that say well you have to speak in tongues to to prove that you are saved and i just think acts 2 just shows us it's just repent believe and follow and it's simple it's not easy But it's simple, right? We don't have to add a bunch of things and steps to it. Jesus just wants us to learn to believe and follow. And he's going to build, he builds a beautiful church with his people who are just obedient and listen to his voice.
1: No, absolutely. So what's on the docket for next week? What are we preaching on on Sunday?
3: Yeah, we're uh, going to see John and Peter get really bold, get arrested, get released get arrested again and get released. And then it's going to be uh, a theme for it's the gonna rest of the theme. And then yeah, persecution <laughs> really is born. Um, and so we're going to over the next few weeks, see some crazy stuff with the apostle Paul and really kind of the church scatter, um, which, you know, is, is really interesting, but yeah, uh, we're going to talk about boldness on Sunday. So, so uh, come, come ready. Wear your affliction t-shirt.
1: <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, if you're listening to this and you got questions, thoughts, you want to, interact you have the questions you want to ask life at forefrontchurch.tv send us your questions send us your thoughts we'd love to hear from you so thank you so much for listening pastor darren ends thank you so much you betcha pastor drew tarwater thank you so much
3: see you soon thanks rob
1: all right and i'm rob Lazzie we'll see you guys next time on the forefront church podcast
0: you have been listening to more to the story a weekly podcast featuring Pastor Drew Tarwater and Pastor Darren Enns of Forefront Church in Denver, Colorado. Each week, more to the story. podcast will follow the Forefront Church Sunday Sermon as Pastor Drew and Pastor Darren guide you through the Bible from Genesis through Revelation. Every podcast will feature in-depth analysis of the sermon and answer questions about the Bible. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another edition of More to the Story.